Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott. I'm a confidence coach and instigator of joy. I believe that we are all so much more powerful than we can possibly understand. My goal with these conversations is to introduce you to brave, vulnerable people who are finding and owning their awesome. My guests are leaning into what makes them unique and sharing that uniqueness with the world. I hope these conversations inspire you to break free from whatever is holding you back and to step into your own greatness. This episode is brought to you by Unstuck Yourself, a series of soul chats to help you get out of your own way. It's a self-study course I created for you. That's right. You can go through this course all by yourself, on your own time, at your own schedule, at your own pace, with all the ease and spaciousness you want. We all get stuck every once in a while. It's just part of life. But we don't have to stay stuck. This course will help you get aware about where you are, where you want to go, will help you accept the process, and will get you moving. To learn more, go to kelseyabbott.com slash unstuck. Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My guest today is Angela Nath. She's a professional triathlete, Lyme advocate, head of our race like a girl. She's an all-around badass, and I'm really excited for you guys to meet her. Welcome, Angela. Thanks. Yeah, me too. I'm excited to chat. So let's start out. Let's start out with the basics. How did you get into triathlon? Um, well, I was a track athlete in college, and I saw a triathlon when I was 10 years old, but kind of had always had it in the back of my mind I wanted to do a triathlon. In college, I did track and started riding my bike. Um, at that time, triathlon to me, I didn't really know what it was about, but heard about it and. It wasn't until two years after graduating with master's, I just, I wanted to stay active and I still had this dream of doing some type of activity at a very high level. And so I started riding bikes and racing bikes a little bit and then entered triathlon because there was a, there was an opportunity one about five hours from where I lived in Canada, which is a long ways away to go to for a small try, but. I did that one. It was an off-road triathlon um, for the run, at least, and I was hooked after that. Um, and since then, I just kept going to races. And how how far into your journey did you go pro? I turned pro pretty quickly, actually. So after that race, um, I ended up winning it, and then thought, well, I need to get a coach. <laughs> so I got a coach, and that led to a different coach in a training camp down in California. So the very next year, um, that coach uh, saw that I had some talent on the bike and running and, and said, you know, have you ever thought about going pro? And I thought, no. And um, so we did a half Ironman in Canada and that qualified me for my pro card because um, I won it and then kind of went up from there. I had ups and downs though, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't just this straight trajectory? Um, it was a it was a straight trajectory to get the pro card, but to actually make a living out of it and really um, perform at races was definitely ups and downs. <laughs> and is triathlon your sole like moneymaker right now? Is it your sole job? Um, it's my sole career. Yes, um, I do coach athletes um, just because 
it helps supplement my income for sure. Um, but it's also just a huge passion of mine. I love connecting with people and, and working with people. Um, and then I also started I Race Like a Girl, which is a women's endurance team. Um, I wouldn't say that supplements my income <laughs> at all, but it's, uh, it's definitely something I really am passionate about and, and work on every day. What's the passion behind I Race Like a Girl? Um, when I started triathlon, the whole part of it, I was very, I found it very, well, as a pro, as a very individual aspect sometimes, like there, you had your groups in your communities, but sometimes if you needed to travel, you didn't really have a connection. And when I started doing professional racing, I started doing some homestays. And so homestays are where the race directors would connect you with a family, um, in the, in the area of the race and they would host you. Um, and it just got me thinking that how could I create this global community where we could all be connected, support each other, um, have someone from Florida come up to Boston and stay a night for a race. So that's kind of how it began in my head. And it was an online process. So I created a website and um, just thought of an idea of bringing a community that was more global and then also have connections that are really close knit. So here in Boston, when I'm over in Boston, um, I think we have like 35 or 40 women that are on the team in this area. Um, wow. In Colorado, in, in my hometown in Boulder, I think we have about 12 to 15. Um, so it's just fun. So we try to do a lot of events and get connected. And I'm um, actually for Lobstermen this weekend, uh, I'm heading up to a gal, a gal's house and spending the night there for a couple nights. Um, she's hosting me, so it's been fun, and we've had team members come to me and um, go to other members around the U.S. That's so fun. I love, I love that this idea came from, well, connection. Yeah, you know, I was missing connection because, like, one of the coaches I worked for for quite a number of years had it in my head that I had to be by myself and train alone and I still do a lot of training alone but um, that's just because I enjoy it but just be be into myself if I ever wanted to be something and that's not what motivated me and that's not what inspired me and so it was a rough few years sometimes and then once I ventured into you know working with a different coaching platform and company and really connecting myself with master's groups and and people um, I really found my drive and that's you know when I see someone cross the finish line for the first time in an Ironman or you know I hear from one of my athletes uh how their how their workout went or their race went and and just being part of a community and you know that's that's what gives me drive as well and helps me continue on my path as as an athlete um so it's a win-win <laughs> yeah I'm with you absolutely I I ball at finish lines. I'm a I'm an emotional, mess. <laughs> absolute mess. When I um when I lived in Maine, I coached shoe jams, which prepares a lot of women for a try for a cure, and for most of them, it's their first race. And just watching them get out of the water, yeah, I just cry all morning. <laughs> yeah, it's a very emotional connection, I think sometimes. And I mean, that's what triathlon's always been to me. When I first won my first half, actually under the Ironman titles. Um, it was Ironman Boulder in 2012. And 
I mean, I just cried my eyes out just for my own finish and um, just to see that passion in, in other people's faces. And uh, it's just, it's just awesome. So what have you, I, I don't know why this question is coming to me, but what have you learned through your triathlon journey so far? Oh, that's a, I, know I mean, I think, I, I think it's been an ongoing process. I've been doing the sport for now almost a decade. And so it's just, I've learned, I think the overlying thing that I've learned is to be real with myself. Um, you know, you go through your years of growing up and, you know, I had a professional career as a, as a physical therapist in Canada. I quit that and, you know, I really wanted to follow my passion and dreams and I ended up doing that. And I think that's what triathlons truly taught me is be assertive with yourself and, and what you want to accomplish in life and, um, and to follow your dreams, no matter what they are. And, you know, really live in the moment and, um, embrace every day. Like triathlon training isn't that exciting. <laughs> you know, it, it's hard work and it's day in and day out. And, you know, each race is such a, is such a highlight, even if it's a high race or a low race, like depending on the results, it's, it's an opportunity to, to put yourself out there, like mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And you don't get that in many opportunities. And so I think overall, it's just taught me, you know, to enjoy, enjoy every day of life. I mean, I'm, I'm living, I'm living the life I want and I love it. So um, it's been, it's been great. That was such a beautiful answer. We could end the podcast right there. <laughs> Mind you, there's been a definite highs and lows throughout the process, but yes. <laughs> so let's talk about some of those lows. Yeah. I mean, where do I start? <laughs> you know, I, when I, you know, I've been in this sport for a long time and obviously I've had a few, a few hiccups and, and injuries and that put me on the sidelines. I had foot surgery, um, from a broken metatarsal that got misdiagnosed. Uh, that took a, quite a while to figure out. And then just recently, um, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease and some co-infections that really affected me physically and emotionally and mentally. <laughs> it pretty much broke me. Um, in April or May, I finally got the diagnosis. And, you know, I went from training full-time to barely being able to walk down the stairs, burning legs, uh, sweaty nights, um, sleepless nights. Uh, and I've been dealing with that now and was on antibiotics for three months on and off. I'm still on a few different things right now, but, uh, it's been, it's been a journey, but I'm definitely near, if not close to hundred percent health and can, and like every race that I've been doing, it's just been a buildup. And so I've, I'm actually super excited where I am right now. Um, but you know, it's a continued process to keep monitoring and seeing where I'm at, um, and seeing how I progress with the doctors. Okay. Yeah. So Lyme is intense. Um, and very just like, it isn't talked about very much. And I think I even mentioned to somebody down here in Florida that maybe I was talking about you, someone had Lyme and they were like, how did, how did she get Lyme? And I'm like, outside. <laughs> yeah. Common. Yeah. You know, I was, it's, you know, after I started getting all these symptoms and, you know, 
it's been a long diagnosis. Went to a few doctors, got misdiagnosed again, and thought they were a virus. Long story short, um, like 50 to 60% of the people who have or get Lyme, um, they don't even remember a tick bite, and I don't remember one. The only thing I can recall is something in my head, in my scalp, that I kind of scratched off one day. Um, but other than that, I remember in November, very clearly, my lymph nodes under my armpits were the size of golf balls. Oh, wow. And I showed my boyfriend, I'm like, I got an infection. Like, this is crazy. Um, he said, well, just wait a day. Let's see if it goes away. And it did go away. Um, but I think that's probably the time that the infection hit me. But I had a pretty good immune system. And so it fought it off. But then obviously the bacteria in your system grows and grows and grows and grows <laughs> um, until it basically had you in your bed. So, Right. And um, actually, I remember hearing that the, like, when they're in the, I think it's called the nymph stage, ticks are yep. the size of a chia seed. Oh my gosh, they're just the tiniest things. Yeah, you can, like, we have dogs here, um, um, over here in Boston, and in, uh, prior to the infection and like really paying attention to things we would look we would find ticks a lot on our dogs um just because we would go walk on trails and you know i just think um you don't realize how small these little pests are and and how they can come into your environment or even like fall on you or um you know the uh after being diagnosed like i'm a little scared to go in the forest now <laughs> i mean i stay well aware from trees and branches and uh I always come back and go right straight back into a shower and you know I just I just really am quite careful now mm -hmm. and so let's talk a little bit more about what so you probably got bitten in November or mm -hmm. the infection hit you in November and then how did your symptoms progress um I started having quad pain after a race and we chalked it up to like, you know, I traveled across the world for this race and, you know, I could have sat on it funny or something, but the pain got worse. And so then I got an MRI because the pain started coming really severe and I thought I broke a bone. It was that severe. And wow. at the, the first MRI, <laughs> I came back clear with just some, with just some inflammation in the muscles. So, you know, we took some time off. It was like Christmas time and, so it was just time to kind of get away from triathlon and, and reset anyhow. And so we did that. And I just started slowly trying to build back training, but I was always just sore. And um, my muscles were sore. I never felt comfortable. And then I started getting hip pain. And I got hip pain in the right hip to a point where I was like, I think I broke my hip. <laughs> um, got another MRI, clear. And then... I just kind of continued to, to process things and try to work, but I just thought, you know, maybe I'm just out of shape. Um, I, so I got... Wait, how had you done in that race that you... Um, I was fifth um, in Bahrain. It was a championship race, a half Ironman over there. Um, okay. So I did okay, but... Pause to say, I think it's really funny what our minds do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so well, and then suddenly a rational explanation seems to be like, oh, I'm out of shape. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it wasn't until, uh, you, you know, I got blood work done. Um, I have a sponsor, um, Refreshing Hue, 
and we do some blood work and it all came back super awesome like there was nothing really wrong there was a little bit high of a few things but something um in my muscles there was there was some muscle damage and so that was that was really off the charts high at one point but that's that sometimes happens when you work out really hard mm-hmm. and you know depending on what i did that day it just was like chalked up to that but it got me thinking that maybe something could be wrong with me and um I went to a specialist in Boston at Children's Hospital. She thought it was a virus. I took two weeks off. Then she told me to take a year off, which at that point, my symptoms were very, very severe. They, I couldn't run. I, couldn't, I could barely lift my legs. Uh, walking downstairs, I had to hold handrails because I just couldn't support my hips. I went to PT and like all my, all my, um, stability muscles and glutes were just not working they weren't firing and one muscle was spasm over the next and it was back and forth and it just it did not make sense it, like as a physical therapist it just didn't make sense what was going on with me yeah. and I remember specifically one time I was up because I started having night sweats and couldn't sleep and uh, I got I I just left the bedroom and I was just bawling and my boyfriend Tim came out and I said Tim there is something seriously wrong with me. I, and like, obviously he's been to all the doctor's visits with me and you know, he just, he, he understood. And we would start, we started investigating. We started looking online and I actually talked to, um, my doctor who did my foot for my surgery. Um, and he's from around this area. And I said, I said, I said, you know me just as well as anyone. There's something wrong. And I just start telling him my symptoms. And, and uh, he's like, you know what? I think you have Lyme. I'm like, no, the test came back negative because I, I had it tested. And he's like, well, I think you should go see my friend. Um, he specializes in this area. So I went to his friend and he's like, I am 99% certain you have Lyme and probably a few co-infections. There's these tests that you have to do. It costs... $600 out of pocket, but it'll test everything. So that's what I did. It was, uh, it's called DNA connections with an X for connections.com. And it's a line panel and it will test everything for you. Um, and you can purchase online. Um, and it came back positive for Lyme and positive for Babesia and Bartonella. And those two co-infections, which are bacterias, they really hit your nerves and your muscles. And so that's, that's what was really affecting me as an athlete. Um, you know, like, and from that point forward, you know, that was in May or late April, the antibiotic process. And it was so funny because I would try to run and, you know, you're on antibiotics and I'm still, I'm fighting a big infection. And if you could imagine your legs feeling like they're in mud and you have about five pound weights on them, and you can't, you can't figure out where to place your feet as you run. That's what, that's what running was like to me. It was like I had to look at my feet, and I couldn't lift my legs. And, I, and Tim, my boyfriend, who's also my coach, he's like, just go run. Like, run to me, you know, and I would try to run 100 yards. And I was like a waddling duck, and I could barely run 12-minute miles. Like, I was, and he just like... He looked at me like, what the hell's going on? I'm like, I'm like, I literally cannot make my feet move. I can't, I can't place my feet. And that lasted for a good month. 
um, with very slow progression. You know, I'd run 12 minute miles, 11 minute miles, 10 minute miles. And then I was on an ultra G um, in Boulder for quite some time. That really helped actually. Um, an ultra G kind of takes away the weight of your body um, and allows you to run. And just a slow, slow process. And, you know, we jumped in some races and just took it moment by moment. You know, if I had to jump out, I could. But um, I had no idea that right now I would be, I did four Ironmans already. And my last one was 13 days after my previous one. Um, and I'm finally getting back to my old self. So it's, uh, it's been good. I've been tired this week, which I'm a little nervous on. but. It's, you know, obviously I traveled across the country, I mean, across the world and, and, you know, time zones and all this stuff. So I have a lot I'm just trying to recover from. Do you have any symptoms at all anymore? No. So uh, I got off most of the antibiotics three weeks ago and I went to my doctor last week and we're doing a few more tests and I'm on a few immune supports like some vitamins and stuff um, and a detoxer and I see him again in a week so we're just gonna the thing with Lyme is it never necessarily like like once you have an infection your your body always has an infection no matter what type of infection it kind of is mm -hmm. it's it's all about keeping your immunity strong so you know I he he feels he's been working with people with Lyme for, for many many years that I'm pretty much 100% back to where I will be and always will be and have been. Um, and he said, you know, the biggest key is just to keep your immunity strong and you'll be fine. Um, so I definitely don't have symptoms um, that I know of, but I still think I have a lot of progress to do over time with just training yourself because I haven't been able to really fully train the way that I've wanted to because the antibiotics were one and obviously the infection. When you're on antibiotics, they really suppress your heart rate, and you just can't work out hard. You get tired. Um, it, it really it really messes up with your gut, obviously. Um, so I'm just starting that rebound effect where I can really get my health back. So what are, um, did you have any yeah psychological effects from? <laughs> yes, <laughs> oh yes. Um, in the winter, I actually bought one of those lights um, that 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 ray off like supposed to help you with your depression and stuff yeah because i was just i was losing my mind i honestly thought i was going crazy because of all this pain and obviously when you're in constant pain and and suffering you're gonna get depressed and um i couldn't do what i loved i, I lost passion I, I wasn't sleeping i mean i was i was i was very depressed actually at, at times and um i work with a sports psychologist and you know i would talk to him weekly and uh, I got that light, you know, and placebo effect or not. I mean, I think it, it, it helped <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it, it affects you in all areas, like Lyme itself can affect people in so many different ways. Um, it can cause you mental issues, physical issues. And my, my emotions, like I was, I, I was an emotional wreck. Um, obviously I, I would cry a lot and I mean, just ups and downs, and I'm surprised my boyfriend's still with me. <laughs> we joke about that, anyways. But he's he's amazing. Do you, so 
do you feel like you've kind of come home to yourself at this point? Yes. Yeah. And actually, you know, obviously I would never want this on myself or anyone for that matter. Like, you know, health is just so important and, but it just taught me so much about being grateful for the, the day, you know, like, and focus. Okay. Cause like, I really didn't know what I could do every day. And, um, it, allowed, it, it made me focus on, okay, I can ride my bike at 50 watts. Okay. I can do that. So I would just focus on what I could do every day. And it, it, it and it forced me to do that. Um, I actually switched coaches and had started having my boyfriend coach me who works for QT2 systems. Um, just because he knew me so well and he could read me like a book and, uh, we, you know, we don't know, like I couldn't get a plan. I, I couldn't get a, a structure because every day was so different and ups and downs. And, um, it allowed me to progress to where I was now. And actually last week was my very first week of a structured training week. <laughs> um, every other day was just like, okay, go, go do this today. How does that feel? Okay, now do this, go do that. And so, uh, it's been a huge progression. So back in April, May, did you think you'd already be racing at this point? Um, you know, I wasn't even thinking about racing. I obviously wanted to race, but I, it wasn't in my mind that I was going to race. It was more, I just want to get healthy. I want to be able to walk <laughs> and run. So it wasn't in my head, but it was funny because in June, there was Ironman Boulder and I spent about a month in Boulder and I, I ran honestly three miles um, by myself without the Ultra G at 10 minute miles. And my boyfriend, Tim, said, we should do that race. At, at least do the swim bike. And I said, okay, because <laughs> it was just, you know, hometown local. Um, and so my goal, and so I talked to him, I said, okay, how about this? I'll do the swim. I'll do the bike the best I can. and I will run to you, which will be two miles up the road. And I had a bike set up at a friend's house, uh, a change of clothes. Everything was ready for that to roll. Um, so I did the swim. It was really good swim. I did the bike. I actually got into transition in second, just like maybe five seconds off the leader. Off the leader. Mm-hmm. Ran out of T2 in first. Got caught very, very quickly <laughs> because I was running so slow. Um, but then I ran to Tim and he's like, you look terrible. And, in the, and this was at mile two. I said, I know, but I feel okay. He's like, well, you're in third. You could get points. So let's just keep going until you get caught um, into like fourth or fifth or something. I can't, I can't remember at the time. So I just ended up, you know, plodding away um, because I was going so slow. I mean, I, I've been doing endurance sports for so long that it was like a big, long hike, but it was a, obviously a big feat at that time. And um, um, maybe you can call me determined or you can call me just crazy or just (laughs) completely stupid but I ended up finishing that race in sixth and uh that was my first Ironman of of a few now and um so it was uh it was actually really special to me because it it, that race taught me more and more about how you just gotta take one step forward and and see and see what you can do because that because like every race prior to that I always like thought of the finish line get to the finish line and it's almost too much stress on your body like on your mind when you think that way 
Whereas when I, whereas when I did Ironman Boulder, I just thought in very small, small chunks and just said, okay, just get through the swim, get through, you know, a quarter of the bike, then the half of the bike. And it just, it broke it down to a point where I was happy to stop it at any point in that race. And um, I just enjoyed it so much. And it, and it kept me directly in that moment, in that step, in that stride. And it really helped me, um, I guess, be in the zone, you could say, and just be with inside myself. And um, I mean, it was an amazing experience, for sure. I mean, it's, it's helped me and it will help me in future races. And it has already, like, I mean, it just has changed my mindset. Mm, thank you so much for that reminder. Um, last year at USAT Nationals, the age group nationals, I got, I had the plague. I refer to it as, I don't, I just, <laughs> like, day before the race or two days before the race came down with this horrible, I think it was the flu. And I was like, do I start? I was like shaking before coughing. And my husband reminded me like, well, you could not start you could also start and see if you can finish and just that perspective was so helpful and I did end up finishing both races and those finish lines like you said like usually I focus on the finish line but mm -hmm. in those races I was just thinking about like just one more like go another 400 meters yeah <laughs> yeah it was yeah totally it's perspective totally more respect for the finish line Oh yeah. And it, and it just, it gives you that feeling of, I don't know. It's just an amazing feeling when you do cross that finish line. <laughs> yeah. It's such a gift. I mean, I think it like takes us back to the start of the sport. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Oh, so where do you go from here? Good question. Um, so I've just done a few, a few fulls and, you know, obviously back in Boston right now, I have a few follow-ups with my specialist, um, getting back into training. Um, I have a few races that I've kind of signed up for. Um, as a pro, you know, you can, you can put your name on a list and then take it off um, as needed within two weeks or whatever. So I'm just building toward those races. Um, so right now, I haven't, I haven't confirmed um, but probably race in a few weeks. Um, there's a local event up in Maine, actually. Um, my manager owns the the race, and I'm going to do a clinic there for I Race Like a Girl. And so I'll probably, well, actually, I am heading up there this, this Thursday um, to do that. So that'll be fun. And, yeah, I mean, definitely a few halves. Um, I want to get back into some more halves and probably um, some Ironmans here. I just. Uh, we're still trying just to get a few more days in me and, and then we're going to really dial in, in, uh, what we want to do. Mm -hmm. Well, you got a little bit of a late start to the season too. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm super excited because, uh, I feel like, you know, I, there's a lot of races on the calendar that I can do and, um, I'm, I have energy now, you know, before I didn't have energy and now, now I feel like I just started the season. So. What would you say, whether it's in triathlon or beyond, what would you say your mission is right now? My mission. <laughs> um, I think it's twofold. I think one is to be me, be the real Angela. 
Um, and that's kind of for myself, you know, be assertive with myself. A lot of the times throughout my career and life, um, I never wanted to hurt. I mean, I never wanted to hurt someone else's, um, actually, no, that's not the way, like, I always felt I had to please others. Um, and I kind of got run over sometimes that way and, um, and felt not confident um, in who I was. And I think my mission for myself is, is to be me, to be who I want to be in life and, and, and really, really grab hold of that. And, my, and the second part of that is to help, to help others do the exact same thing. Um, you know, I think through the coaching that I've been doing for the last five or six years on and off and the team that we have now, and I just actually started coaching, uh, the Northeastern University Triathlon Club, um, just helping, helping these athletes define themselves and, and really challenge themselves to goals. Like, um, and then also, um, I'm sorry, but I find myself in a lot of different things, but I think the Lyme awareness is huge for me. Um, you know, before I got um, diagnosed, I had no idea even what Lyme was. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what it meant. And it's such a unknown bacterial infection that really needs a lot of awareness to it for people because you can, a lot of people can have symptoms for many, many years. And could be could be misdiagnosed and it's just it's just sad and so I just want to always continue to bring light to the awareness of Lyme and if you have these weird funky um, issues with your body that you can't figure out there's no doctor that can kind of help you understand like get tested I mean and go to the DNA connection site because honestly it's one of the most reliable tests out there and it's not known even within within all over the country um so that's that's a big a big big mission of mine and then i mean i could go on <laughs> i'm very passionate about certain things but those are three <laughs> um <laughs> i guess just find out the best of myself too you know i i still feel i have a very long career in triathlon and i feel um, super excited about where it's going. I have some amazing sponsors and support and, um, I have personal goals and challenges in both Ironman and half. And, um, I keep seeing improvements. And even now that I'm finally getting my health back to hundred percent, you know, that's my personal mission is to, is to be that best athlete that I can be and, and continue trying to achieve those goals. Mm. So when you, you started out by saying like your number one mission is to be you. Yeah. Who are you? Who, is Who am I? <laughs> that is an ongoing big question mark. And I think that's, I think that's what I think makes me feel okay with that because every day you're, you're redefining who you are. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not just a triathlete. I'm not a coach. I'm not, I'm not a Lyme awareness advocate. I'm not, I'm not any of those things. I'm just me. And to let go of like these titles and um, just trying to be happy with living life and, and the mediocrity of life. Like that's where the happiness is and that's where you're defining yourself every day. Um, so I've, it's the fact of being okay with the question mark yet knowing and confidently knowing that um, 
that that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, we're always evolving, right? Like, as you said, exactly. every single day we get to define who we are. Exactly. Yep. And I love living it at, with curiosity. Oh, I like that. And see, that, to that totally relates to the question mark. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the question mark, I, I get kind of excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like getting a present. Like, I guess, mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Do you take the red, do, like, do you take the number one door or the number two door? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just always option. And I was always the kid that would be like, well, I want to open number two, but then I want to go back and I really want to know what's in the next one and the, and the next one. Yes, always options. I'm, and if, if, if there's anyone that knows me out there, I'm sometimes very, I, I wouldn't say flaky, but you could call it flaky because I just always keep options open. I like doors open. <laughs> and, I, and so I am a very committed person to my goals and, and what I want, but the options to get to that goal need to be open. Yes. You know, that's, I mean... In my work as a confidence coach, we find that, you know, know what you want, be clear on what you want, but be totally open to how you're going to get it. Exactly. Yep. It, there's never a straight line. There's never an easy open door. There's, uh, I mean, you gotta, you gotta let go yes. to get there. Yes. And letting go is always a new form of challenge. Exactly. <laughs> I don't realize where you're holding on. Yeah. Um, one more question for you, maybe. <laughs> What's the scariest thing you've ever done? Ooh, scariest thing. Um, it's funny because nothing really stands out as, like, super scary. Um, I guess... I guess that's something that I need to figure out because I mean, that's a, I, I should be really scared of something. <laughs> um, you know, my first pro race and jumping into it was obviously scary, but nothing like life threatening. Of course I've never had, um, I've been in a car accident that was pretty life threatening and scary. I mean, it's just the shock. You don't have time to think. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think if I have to look in my entire life, the most scariest thing was, um, when my mom and dad were both diagnosed with cancer, um, we had a lot of big unknowns when they were first diagnosed. And to uh, think back to those times when we didn't, when I didn't know what was happening, and I thought I would lose my mom within a year, or you know, she had breast cancer and everything. And I mean, those were some scary times. And I, I'm, I'm I mean, they're both amazingly fine now. And living and thriving and um but yeah I think those few years were definitely the tough ones emotionally yeah I bet how long ago was that um it's funny my dad was diagnosed with thyroid cancer which was very random him him and his brother um they must have been exposed to something when they were young is what the doctor said uh that was probably when I was in call um outside of college so probably or maybe I was in college, 25-ish or so. Um, and then my mom was diagnosed just three years later. Um, so I think it's been eight years now or something, something, something. Mm -hmm. It's been something like that. But um, it, was, it was during a time, you know, that I was traveling and, you know, uh, 
just after college and, um, you know, I still don't really know who the heck or what I want. <laughs> um, and then you get your most two favorite people in life being diagnosed with cancer within a few years. It's, uh, it's hard. Yeah. That rocks the, the ground underneath you. Yeah, definitely. Like the, the stuff when you live in uncertainty, I think it's really, we really thrive off having that solid something to ground us into. Oh yeah. And like, you know, um, cancer is, is, is a very serious, serious issue, obviously. Um, and when I was trying to get uh, my diagnosis for Lyme, I had it, had it in the back of my mind that maybe that's what I, that's what's going on because it was so many unknowns. And so that was scary for me. And, but I was more determined to figure out what it was, but the uncertainty of health, I think, is, is a very, very hard, hard thing to figure out and to go through because it means everything in life. You know, when you're not healthy, um, nothing else matters. Not the money in your bank, your work, everything. I mean, to live, you need health. And so, I mean, it's, it's definitely key. Yeah, I'm coming away from this conversation realizing that you and I share some of our top values in health, connection, and adventure. Yeah, I would totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I think that's part of, actually, when I started triathlon, um, looking back, my, you know, I came from a small little town in northern Canada in, in British Columbia, and my dream as a kid was to just travel. I as soon as I got a track scholarship, I was out of Prince George <laughs> because I just, there was so much opportunity, like so much opportunity to me. And like, again, like back to those doors and being curious and adventure. And, um, part of my triathlon journey is to see the world, you know, like it's an amazing opportunity to be in different cultures and meet different people and communities. And, and I mean, it's just been so amazing. Is there a favorite place you've been so far? So far, uh, Europe. Um, I went to Europe three times. Well, t well, twice. But I went to I went to Ironman UK. I went to Ironman Maastricht in the Netherlands, and then I went to Ironman Kalmar in Sweden just recently. And I spent three weeks with a good friend of mine over there for two of those races. And I have to say that just the adventure and the travels and the people we met and connected with. Um, we're just amazing. The small little coffee shops, the cobblestones, the, the beautiful, the beautiful buildings. Um, it just had such culture to me and, um, everyone was on bikes. Like, honestly, there's, there was more bikes in Amsterdam and Maastricht and Kalmar than I've, than I've ever seen. And that's just, I mean, it was just a way of life over there and it was just, it was just so awesome. Yeah. I love the, like the rush hour on bikes in Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing and I'm so glad I I wasn't like pedaling in it yeah yeah actually we we stopped in Denmark I didn't get to actually see Amsterdam but obviously we were near it but like like all those countries around there are very very um much the same and we were in a taxi cab and we couldn't even move because there were so many bikes around going yeah. in and out of the cars <laughs> it was just it was just so it was just so neat to see I I also love that they're they're totally fearless Yes, I know. <laughs> yes. I actually think a, lot, a friend of mine is from the Netherlands, and she was saying that 
that the people on bikes have the right of way in those in those things. So like if you hit someone by car on a bike, you're in the wrong. That's a so I idea. yeah. So I think there's a quite a bit of fear as a driver. Yeah. Um, I know she didn't get her license until much much later than she was supposed to because she just didn't want to hit anybody on a bike. <laughs> mm -hmm. I I like that a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. And Angela, is there anything else you want to talk about or share? Um, no, I mean, thanks for the opportunity. I guess just a few plugins, um, just about my team. Um, we're doing registration for next year. Um, and you can just check out the team at, at, at iracelikeagirl.com. Uh, you can also connect with me on any of my social media outlets. Um, I have a website with my name, just angelaneath.com. You can contact me there if you have any questions about Lyme or, I mean, you name it. I'm, I really love connecting and helping to support people. And obviously everyone's heard my passion. So <laughs> feel free to connect and yeah, I guess that's it. And you're Angela Nath on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Are you on Twitter? Yep. Yep. The, the, the only one that I'm not my name is on Strava. I'm, <laughs> and I, I did this as a joke, but I just kept it there. It's a uh, Wonder Woman Nath. Um, it was for it was for a camp or something, and anyways, it just stuck. Let's just follow you on Strava. Yeah, definitely. Wonder Woman really is Angela. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of people use the name, but um, anyways. Yeah. Well, no one else uses Wonder Woman Nate. That's right. That's very true. I'm <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing yeah. yourself with us. Yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please head over to Facebook and join the group Find Your Awesome with Kelsey Abbott. It's free. And if you want more than that, go to my website, kelseyabbott.com, and there you can sign up for my newsletter and get a series of free guided meditations. And I would really appreciate it if you could head over to the podcast app and leave a review of the Find Your Awesome podcast. Your reviews help other people learn about this podcast. Thank you so much. That's all I've got for you, friends. Go forth and be awesome.